millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Please leave your message. Hey, honey, it's mom calling. Hey, it's mother. Hey, Barushka. It's your mom. Hi, Rob. This is mom and dad. Hi, Julianne. Say, mama. Mama, it's here. It's mom. Hi, Jesse. It's your mama. From the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago, I'm Gwen Maxi, and this is Resound. I'm sitting at my sewing table, and I'm looking at all the sweet cards you sent me. And it makes me miss you. Hey, kiddo. I just want to make sure you're okay. I wanted to hear how your day went. I just wanted to make sure you weren't upset and whatever. You work way too much and do way too much. And I just want to make sure you're taking care of yourself. ReSound is a remix of music, documentaries, found sound, sound bites, and cozy nests of audio we find all over the world. We listen to everything we can get our ears on, then bring you the best of what we hear each week. Honey, you'd be so proud of me. You'd be so proud of me. I'd pick somebody up at a bar. <laughs> Just want to let you know that Nimish bought eight long sleeve black t-shirts for the price of one. Please stop on your way home and pick up some coffee. Wondered if you had listened to that This American Life episode and had the Gilmore Girls intro. When I was little, my mother was nothing short of a sorceress in her ability to solve my most complex and vexing problems. Whether it be the guilt I felt over kissing Marcus Hellman in first grade, the death of Hammy the Hamster, or my tearful anxiety over fifth grade French and math and social studies. Later, her sorcery took on a darker presence as I interpreted her questions as invasive and her need to be needed infuriating. There were some bumpy years when our time together was pockmarked with struggles of independence and connectedness. Then I moved away. Then I had children. And everything she'd said and done over the years made sudden, perfect sense. It was as though the muddy, blurry windshield through which I saw her was magically wiped clean, clear, crystalline in its sparkle and shine. The universe fell into order. And then I could only tell her over and over again, thank you. Today on ReSound, Mother's Day, in all its beautiful, complicated glory. I just saw a really cute dog. Call me back. Hey, Dodo, you're Love you. Have a great day. So if you 
Got time to talk? Call me more often, and I'll call you more often. Talk to you soon. Give me a call back when you get this message. Bye. Let's start with the moment motherhood begins. Even though women have obviously been having children for as long as we've roamed the earth, when it's happening to you, you feel as though you are the first and only. And there is no shortage of mothers who will give you unsolicited advice and unwanted graphic stories of their own difficult births. And it's enough to draw the most stalwart among us into moments of doubt. Our first story starts just before birth with a montage of five women in their last days of pregnancy as they anticipate and prepare, to the extent that they can, for their due date. Hello. Hello, Sunny May. No panicking. Hey, sorry. Ursus when you say that the uh, waterproof square arrived. What happened yesterday in the baby's room? Carpet men came. Yeah. Do you remember Mummy was saying that we're gonna have Minion at home? When does time begin? <coughs> Is it in the beginning of you? Or was it set in motion in the actions before you? These are the makers of time, the creators of time. Five women, six to be born, set. A synchwane of pregnant time machines take their swollen steps. She adjusts her back, stares straight ahead. The weighted world takes hold. The watch ticks, her womb kicks. The cell splits. <laughs> Her story untold. Okay, what developmental milestones should I expect? As a new mom, you have lots of developmental milestones to look forward to. Dipti's addicted to YouTube. How to be a mother. How to apply lipstick right. An immigration lawyer by day, on the phone to friends and family by night. One of my friends called me because they know that it's video is very near. So they called me to check is everything all right, whether I need anything or not. In the morning today, my mother called us, Frafas, my mobile and her mobile, and both of them were not answering. She called my mother-in-law, so Dipti's mother, that whether she knows about any news about us. Then my mother-in-law tell my father-in-law to call us, and she tried to call us maybe 10, 15 times. That's why we always make our phone on. The way I was raised in Dhaka, that uh, the whole situation is totally different. We had always put off people in our house because we used to have loads of kids and we were always chatting and having gossiping and watching TVs, movies. In Bangladesh, we put a lot of pressure on a, on a child. You have to be very, very good in your education. You have to earn money to get respect from others. I mean, from my childhood, it hampered the, the creativity. So this is one thing I don't want my child to be raised in. <laughs> All the questions and answers force out the darkness with light. 
she has never before been pregnant. And where there is love, there is. Skype. Linda's boy senses drama. Oh, what are you going to call him? Of the child that is to come. Joe. You can't call him Joe, that's your name. She craftily balances the trauma. Can you choose a different name? That he'll be any less of a son. Jola. Jola? Yeah. That's a bit too like Joe. <laughs> Joe. Linda's an independent spirit. My name's Linda. A graphic designer by trade. I'm practical, only just skilled, forty, and strong of will in August, and very rarely afraid. And I got pregnant because we wanted to have another baby because I'd gone for a scan because I thought things weren't quite right, and I found out that I was going to have a miscarriage. Linda has carried life and death. It's called a mis miscarriage. Has both given birth. And mourned, which means that your body still thinks it's pregnant, so it carries on. I think that was on the thirtieth of November last year when we got that news, and our baby is due on the thirtieth of November this year. At the moment, I'm thirty-six weeks and five days pregnant, so technically the baby can come at any time. It feels like he's going to come at any time because I feel enormous. But I just have to carry on. Joe's swimming lesson this morning, soft play this afternoon. So I've just got to crack on, and thank goodness that it's Saturday tomorrow, and my husband's at home. Mummy. This. You don't talk of food in your mouth. Is Nikki. Because it's not very polite. But you and Daddy talk with food in your mouth. Daddy might well do, but Mummy always tries to finish what's in her mouth before I speak. Come on, By now the lungs are near fully grown, okay, and soon it will be gone. That will do. Thank you. And she carries another beating heart, but she can't for the life of her bond. Well, we are twelve days off due date, and things have been relatively quiet today. Took my daughter to a children's party. And as always, you get there. Oh, you can't have long to go. Straight away, I'm I'm quick to say we've got 12 days, but this one's not staying. It's a surrogate pregnancy, and I had the usual. Oh wow! Oh, do you know the couple? And will they be at the birth? And I explained that my last couple were at the birth. I said, oh, were they in the delivery room? And I said, well, actually, the baby's mum was in the water with me when I delivered. So the excitement for me is creating a family, but also recreating my own family, and that's what I'm excited about now. It, it's getting back to being able to crawl around the floor with my own children. Mummy. Yes. I don't know what my mum has jumped Okay, don't worry. You don't have to know everybody. I feel like my head is just full of lists and things that I need to remember to do. The young. Are listless items to bring when you are in labour. The older are listed. We need to put the cot back up. Step two: faster mattress the D to cot N A. Get some curtains hung. Get the bunting up, lampshade, and then I'll feel like I'm ready. The older say they are experienced, 
The younger, they say, are gifted. Repeat this step for each side. I find it really frustrating not being able to do these things myself because usually I'd build the chest of drawers and, but apart from the fact I can't physically shift them upstairs to make them, I'm also just can't be bothered. It's impossible to do it. Whilst I've got Joe at home because he just takes all the screws and hides them or tries to post them down the holes in the floorboards. The checklist, okay. Baby clothes, my sleepers, some gifts from back home from my mother. Big towels for pool shower. How many packs? Four packs, I should think. Would you? And mirror for birth and water. Breast pads. Oh, actually, the tummy tippies are on two for seven. Alternative therapies. Lip balm. Why do they put them on the bottle? Glucosate. Glucosate will be the last thing I'd want to take. Disposable knickers. It's not a size eight. I know you do lose weight after birth, it's not quite going to be that extreme. And I have a note of my instructions for my husband. Some warnings <laughs> what he must not do. I have not given the note to him. There is a chance of <laughs> argument <laughs> if I hand it to him now. I think that at that time he will agree what I have written down in the note. <laughs> This is Olya, the cyclist. She's still riding at nine months. She's riding the city with a bumpety, bumpety, bump. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forget things all the time. That's quite funny about pregnancy. I generally have very good memory and I never needed, like, a calendar. Now I just forget things all the time. I forgot once all the pin codes for my bank cards. But the cycle of time reverses. Memories appear aside her. The roots of her family tree clench the earth inside her. I was born and raised in the south of Moscow. And my mom separated with my father when I was one year and a half. So it was quite difficult for her to raise a child. I was born in 89, so it was really years when there was no food, and even if you had money, you couldn't buy anything. Basically, the whole system collapsed. And so my granny had to quit her job, and she stayed with me and looked after me, even though she was like a very important person in the university. Hello, Babul. Hello, Larenka. Babul. Hello, sir. I don't hear you. I don't hear you. I was like my grandmother's child, learning lots of poems by heart. We had a very small apartment, so I slept with my granny in the same room till I was 14. I guess I just have some childhood experiences that I guess I would like to show going out like in the forest for, to find mushrooms. Robert was born in London, he has no idea about different kinds of mushrooms or berries. Even like simple names like black currant. Well, he knows raspberries. So you can always find them in Sainsbury's. Who would say to their child, the world is not your oyster, dear? 
You must not learn a language or live any place but here. So I would try to make sure that he goes to Moscow at least every summer. And I think we'll make a double citizenship for him. Even though he's a boy and it's quite scary because we have an obligatory army. So they could kind of, when he's 17, they can tell him, go to the army, <laughs> serve Russia. <laughs> but yeah, maybe one day can live in Moscow for one year. Also like Berlin a lot. Maybe we'll decide to go to America, I don't know. I'm not scared that my child will have a British accent. No, that will not be the same life I had in Dhaka. This is something else. I chose to move into London, so of course my child, my baby will have a different life from me. We could go to Richmond Park. Today? I need to work. <laughs> If birth is migration from womb to the open air and dying is migration of breath, aren't we all immigrants of sorts? From deliverance to death. Oh, Boris, don't nibble my fingers. Sorry. <laughs> Calm down, Boris. Too many kisses. Your kisses are too tickly. so to the great migration. The asylum seekers inside have climbed into the cargo and take the perilous ride. I think my body just doesn't know what's happening. I can feel... Twins. The pressure of the babies on my bladder at the same time as having feet and both ribs. Twenty toes, four hands... 20 fingers. I suppose with one baby, they would lie diagonally. Four elbows, four heels. Or they would move around, they'd have more space. No room. But with two. Four shoulders, two mouths. I don't know. A playground fight in the womb. I was very paranoid last week that on my left side, I couldn't really feel kicking. Um, to top it off, my poor, poor cousin. I had a stillborn baby at 36 weeks last week. They've just had a post-mortem and buried him yesterday. She could, right now, run away. Hide in a cave in the hills. And howl at the moon and the night. This is mine, my will. What do you think? Is this going to be a bath for the boys when they come? Yeah. Yeah? You're going to help me to bath them? It's only when I'm on my own that I think about things like that. You think they'll fit in there with you? 
I know it's rare. But suppose if they take their clothes off. They're very worried about what's going to happen with these babies. Well, yeah, you have to take your clothes off when you have a bath, don't you? And then it's all going to be okay. The clock is slowing its ticking. Even though I'm really glad to be pregnant, uh, I'm just really struggling. <sighs> she holds out her hands on the edge of the cliff. Her arms stretch open and wide. She feels the force of air uplift. There's none to catch her. Nowhere to hide. I'm really quite worried about it. I always knew I was having twins. Just everything racing through my head. Babies, babies, babies. Yeah, I've only got another two nights where it's going to be me and Flo. And we can be all snuggled together and I'm not going to have to share my time. really going to miss it just being me and her. I'm actually quite scared. I'm also very tired. I need to try and wipe my brain. Stop thinking about it. We should have made this decision nine months ago. We wanted a family. We wanted more children. It just never occurred to me that I would be having twins. Many a dark thought falls in the rain. Let each drop. Let each drop. Let each drop. Let each drop, let, drop, let, drop, let, drop, let, drop, let, drop. It's around 4 a.m. in the morning. I cannot sleep. Dipti lies in bed, awake. We were just 
five-inch away from me. Imran sleeps well beside her. I'm a person that I can express more about my feelings through writing, not speaking. Here she writes and unravels words from deep inside her. There are only few days we'll go through these kind of things. And I'm feeling really alone. And after some days, the life will be me and my daughter. And you will not get me alone like this. These are the final days before birth. The same since the beginning of time. In her words, there must be new thoughts, a new mind. There's even a new field of science called positive psychology, which studies happiness. We just got our pizza, mushroom, pepper. Ashun Pipar and what? It's now half past two in the morning. Midnight pizza. <laughs> Our appointment with the doctor is 8.30. In the morning. It's almost three o'clock. There are a lot of thinking in our mind, but still we are not sleeping. Anyway, let's see what happened tomorrow. We've A tremor of breath rocks the cradle. It's um, half past three on Monday morning and I'm lying in bed on my own. This birth may not, may be. And for the past half an hour I've been awake because I'm not sure whether something is starting or not. But um, it feels like it might be. In a second, the moon rises high. Tides twist and turn the ocean. Stars shoot backwards across the sky. The pendulum slow motion. Today is 15th of November. Now, uh, today they will induce me for labor. The hands of the clock reverse. The tick of time taken. I've not woken. Seconds seem like hours, moments before creation. I don't know what will happen. I'm a bit scared. Linda whispers her fears away. I'm just hoping that she is not born anew. Progresses slowly, but I just don't want to get my hopes up too much. She is not changed forever by this. Just in case it's not it. Then who? We're going to the bus stop. No longer the keeper, the defender, the shield. She must stop and yield. Yield. Hello. 
stomach keeps going really tight and it's taking my breath away and it's quite uncomfortable. And Sally. I'm actually quite worried that I'm in labour. Something is starting. I don't know, do I ring my family from two hours away and tell them, can you come up? Now. When it might be nothing. Ouch. Oh, it's quite stressful. And I thought I would recognise the signs of labour, but it's three years ago. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. And I don't know how she knows that I'm really stressed, but she seems to like use it as an instant indicator to go nuts. Kids are downstairs eating their breakfast. And Nikki. And I've woken up to what I can only presume is the, the starts of a bit of a show. Something is departing now. There's a point for what? And Olya. The cycle is startling now. How long do you think it lasted for? For 30 seconds. Yeah, it was 30 seconds. So very excited. I'm panicking, probably. What did the midwife say? I don't remember what he said, actually. I think... Uh, I think I'm ready. Now the time is three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm just lying down in hospital bed. I can hear other ladies in in other room who is screaming so loud. I'm not scared, but it's the kind of thing I know what's 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 waiting for me a couple of hours later if the jailing works. The letters and lists have ended. She awaits the violent push. The performance is about to begin. The crowds hush. Nicole Evans. Um, I've just found the number on the front of my notes. I'm a planned home birth. I can count the times I've met my mother on two hands. And our meaningful conversations on one. It was no fault of hers. Within months of my birth, I was gone. That's the right place. That's it. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Well done. Fantastic. And then take another after 26 weeks, the eyes produce tears. He somersaults in the pregnant sea. The tension of fear next to joy. She's not scared. I'm not panicking yet. She's scared. The wordless conversation from the second she conceived. The first thing her child will do is leave.
Did a new woman emerge as much as a new child? Was a new language learned through this supernatural wild? I never had a father. He never knew his son. Nothing in life is simple. Things get left undone. The roots arc far and away from each family tree. I searched forests to find them, to ask if they would find me. So here I am, the sun, upon the giant wild oak, above where the branches and leaves grow. Time has passed, seasons fell by. The sound of the shadow turns. In this search, this writer, this son, has learned that from the inner earth, you fought for me and grew. I mattered more than anything when I was inside you. But how difficult it was to see it through and through that as you carried me, I changed you. Deliverance was presented by poet Lem Cisse and produced by Francesca Panetta and Lucy Greenwell for Between the Ears from BBC Radio 3. Coming up after the break, the ironic origins of Mother's Day. Here's a hint. No Hallmark cards were injured in the creation of this holiday. Stay with us. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to ReSound from the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago. I'm Gwen Maxi. We get to hear so many thoughtful, creative works about mothers. It is a fertile topic for storytelling. In fact, almost every winner of last year's Third Coast competition was about mothers. Check out all these wonderful stories on our website, thirdcoastfestival.org. 
Today, we bring you a sampling of our recent mom-related favorites in honor of Mother's Day. But you have to wonder, is Mother's Day even a real holiday? We often refer to it as a hallmark holiday created by commercial industries to sell flowers, candy, and cards. But the true origin of the day is not at all what you might think, as Nate DeMeo, host of The Memory Palace, explains. Anna Jarvis loved her mother. And because she loved her so much, mothers around the world get flowers and cards and candy and hugs from their kids every May, which must have Anna Jarvis spinning in her grave. She was born in 1864 in West Virginia to a woman whose name was also Anna Jarvis. And her mother, Anna Maria, to her daughters Anna Marie, was a remarkable woman. The elder Anna was a feminist and a progressive and a bit of a socialist before any of those words meant anything. In Virginia in the middle of the 19th century, back before the phrase West Virginia meant anything, she traveled throughout Appalachia, organizing women's groups, teaching them about basic health, and how to demand workers' rights, after teaching them what those rights were in the first place. During the Civil War, she brought women together to tend to sick and wounded soldiers, regardless of whether they wore blue or gray. After the war, with her baby Anna in her arms, she held meetings of mothers on both sides, in these proto-group therapy sessions of finding closure through shared grieving kind of thing. And she promoted something called Mother's Work Day. This wasn't mother apostrophe S, so not your mother, but mothers, S apostrophe, mothers plural, a collective of mothers. It was a radical idea. Let's take a day, and it would be a day of demonstrations and political consciousness raising, not of flowers or spa gift certificates. Let's take a day and recognize that what mothers do is work. And let's organize those workers the same way that people were starting to do at mines and mills and factories. This was the work of her life. And when she died in 1905, her life became the work of her daughter's life. Anna Marie, the younger Jarvis, was 29 years old and single, with no child of her own. She was devastated by her mother's death. And at her funeral, she handed out hundreds of carnations, one to each of the mothers in the congregation. She had picked up the torch of her own mother's cause and wouldn't put it down for the rest of her life. She delivered speeches. She published pamphlets. She wrote to governors and newspaper editors, senators, mayors, anyone in power, all in a campaign to get the government to recognize Mother's Day. And she succeeded and failed at the same time. People love the idea of a Mother's Day because people love their mothers. And importantly, people love the story of Anna Jarvis loving her own mother. It was a national holiday by 1914, and Jarvis kept going, talking about her mother and Mother's Day all over the world. And for people all over the world, maybe wondering why they'd grown apart from their own mothers, maybe wishing their own children would thank them once in a while. For people all over the world, Anna Jarvis became the platonic ideal of the devoted daughter, and they wrote to her. So many wrote to her to thank her, to unload about their mother-child relationships, that she had to buy a second house next door in which to store a correspondence. Mother's Day would roll around every year, and Anna Jarvis, a woman with no child of her own, would get flowers by the score, heart-shaped boxes of candy by the carload, which made Anna Jarvis furious. The holiday, designed to continue her mother's lifetime of effort working towards social justice and collective action, had gone commercial. Anna had thanked her mother by devoting her life to building a kind of living memorial. 
and it felt like all she'd accomplished was making it easy for people to go and thank theirs with a prepackaged sentiment and a penny greeting card. And so she railed against it for the rest of her life, spending all of her modest savings on campaigns against the commercialization of Mother's Day, filing lawsuits to stop Mother's Day celebrations, condemning confectioners, fighting florists. But the candy kept coming, and the flowers didn't stop. And when she died, penniless and blind, in a state sanatorium in Pennsylvania in 1948, her room was filled with Mother's Day cards. International Brotherhood of Mothers was produced by Nate DeMeo for his podcast, The Memory Palace. As anyone with children will tell you, usually in a very holier-than-thou kind of way, nothing can really prepare you for motherhood. Writer Stacia Brown is thinking about the difficulties ahead, raising her brown daughter in an era suddenly marked by blatant, overt, freely expressed racism. Stacia is not inclined to take her protest to the streets. She has decided instead to protest with words. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Okay. What does it mean? Are you listening? Yeah. What does it mean to be a woman? Uh... A woman is, uh, hmm. It is a trick question. The definition will always differ depending on the person being asked to provide it. You will define womanhood differently than I, for instance. It will mean something else by the time you become one than it meant almost 20 years ago when I did. But I will still ask you this question often anyway. I will ask it in part because we are black and this means that even though you are six, there are many adults, even some in positions of authority, who will begin insisting on your womanhood in just a few fleeting years. Depending on your height and when your curves come in to assert themselves, pressing upon all the previously flat and straight planes of your body, those adults may ogle you. They may reach for you on the street and curse at you as you run away. While you are still a girl, always run away. They may accuse you of something, then try convincing the judicial system to see adulthood in your still soft cheeks, your brace-bedecked teeth, the hair you're still only allowed to straighten on special occasions. They did this to Catherine Jones in 1999. They tried to do it with Brescia Meadows just last year. You should know that some adults begin to treat black girls like women as early as age 10 or 12 or 14. It has happened to other little black girls as early as 7 and 8. Countless ones whose names we may never know, but whose disappearances black mothers feel quite acutely as we look down into the faces of our own daughters and implore them, admonish them. Don't be in no hurry. Take your time getting grown. You must figure out for yourself what a woman is. You must never lose sight of yourself as the girl that you are and be certain that you are ready to molt girlhood when the time comes. It cannot come late enough for me. If I could, I would certainly postpone it, but it is not for me to decide. My prayer is that you will be the only person who will have a say in deciding it.
You did not speak a language I could clearly understand until the middle of your fourth year. Before that, when you spoke at all, you added en suffixes to words where I would not have guessed they could belong. On your tongue, water became wadden, granny became golden, and for a while, without any reason I could decipher, you called Nana your great-grandmother, morning. Good listening. Great job. When you were two and a half, I had you assessed. You weren't talking much at all then. The women who came into our home with their folders and tote bags jotting across their clipboards when you could complete a puzzle, scribbling furiously across their carbon triplicate forms when you could not, suggested that I take you to an audiologist. Carrots are grown all over the world in gardens and in the wild in the fields. And now you're going to hear some loud beeps. Yep, you got it. Within six months, you were being fitted for hearing aids, with an estimated mild to moderate loss in both ears. I believe that the way you hear greatly informs the way you interact with the world. It's what led you to the language you developed. It's what keeps you locked into your vivid imagination with its cast of unseen characters and its action that only plays inside your mind. And sometimes I've felt that it's kept me locked out. You have been attending school for nearly four years now, but this is the first year when asking you what happened there is an action I can expect to be met with a descriptive, decipherable answer. I have had to learn that you are on your own time. We have always been on a road where I've had to trust you to indicate when you are ready for us to pull over and ready for us to move on. I think I am a better parent for it. At least I hope that I am. You are not a child who would benefit most from having my will imposed upon you. You are not a child whose ideas I'd want to mold so that they mimic mine. I am not even sure that with you such a task would be possible. Mommy, I don't know how to make a Z. You don't? No. You did not have much time here before the core of American civilization found itself deeply compromised. You did not point to television screens and cry out, there's Obama, until his very last year in office. Nana told you who he was. She made you practice saying his name, Obama. You seemed to like repeating it, seemed to relish the ease with which the vowels swept through your throat, like speaking out was easy. I know you will ask me when you are older and finally see photos of other children hoisted upon their parents' shoulders or tucked safely between chest and arm. Why didn't we carry signs? Why didn't we go picket injustice? 
cry loud, spare not, wear pink, cuss without blushing. Why didn't we find ourselves in the company of all those other women? Washington is so close after all. We could've. It is impossible to know if you will ever be satisfied with my answer. I am still quite unsure of decisions like these concerning you, myself. In truth, it may have been better for you to go. Perhaps you would have understood on a visceral or emotional level, if not yet an intellectual one, that something is amiss with all the world. And now, what has long been so is finally affecting our centuries-insulated country in ways white people no longer feel safe ignoring. Women have volunteered to lead the charge of dissent because women have far more to immediately lose than men now that this man and his cronies have assumed the national seat of power. Maybe at six that would have been useful for you to intuit if not yet to truly know. But if I may be entirely honest, and with you, this is ever my aim, I do not feel much like being a warrior. I want to remain the mother I've already fought so hard to become. And she is soft-edged, yielding, and kind. She spends her weekends wrapped in a hot pink Snuggie with her child, staving off her constant financial woes, silently keeping her existential inner conflict about housing or untimely death or co-parenting or politics or the romance she sometimes pines for but has not yet found in check. She frequently dissolves into giggles. She hugs hard and delivers smatterings of kisses to every inch of exposed skin. She is not carefree, neither is she careless, but she is about the business of preserving the sanctity of her domestic life, and for her, this is its own resistance. She remembers the black women who fought in generations before her, who were forced to have children they did not want or plan, who were unknowingly sterilized or implanted with unregulated birth control without consent or denied clean, safe, affordable housing for children they were shamed into delivering but could not afford to raise. I think of what they must have been fighting for, and it seems to me that it was the hope and the freedom my generation thought it had finally achieved in the eight years that the first family was black, and the black mother in the White House declared herself a mother first and a freedom-fighting advocate second. I am not yet finished pretending I can afford myself the same luxury. I too want to be the mother I have fashioned myself to be first. I want to fold my activism into this existing model. For me, this means figuring out how best to support the other mothers who feel so far removed from the idea that a poster and a chant will reunite airport detainees or close the miles between them and their stranded visa-less children. It means thinking of and praying for them in a somber and meditative space. It means writing and writing and writing because for me, writing is more effective than marching and making my efforts feel less futile. I would rather teach you what's at stake by explaining that your school, with this large percentage of students from immigrant families, is filled with classmates who are facing a far different set of challenges and odds than you are. So far, I haven't told you anything. Nana no longer beckons you to the television when the president begins to speak. 
She has not taught you to recognize him, has never encouraged you to utter his name. For now, I wish to keep it this way. My wish for you is that you will stay right where you are, so often locked in by your unique way of hearing, the vestiges of that language you invented when you were a toddler, the lingering barriers of communication only those who love and protect you can currently breach. At present, I believe you are safest there. And as in all things, I will look to you for my cues. You will tell me when you need to know more. You will have so, so long to be a woman. And for as long as men like this president and his mostly male team hold political sway, fighting for your basic rights, human, racial, gendered, reproductive, will be as disheartening as it is essential. If you are like me, you will grow weary of demanding what should have been yours by right of birth. I am more than happy to do this for you. I will defend you, myself, and others in the ways I hope I can be most effective. As a woman, I know how important it is for a woman to lift her own voice. As your mother, I know how vital it is for you to find yours. I can imagine how much time it will take and how distinct it will sound. This is not a process I intend to rush. I suspect that there will be plenty left for you to fight when your time has come, and I believe we will find ourselves in highly capable hands, however you choose to do so. Ask me that again. Um, the water, water, please. One more time. The water, water, please. <laughs> Say something. What should we do? Can you? <laughs> what should we do? <laughs> Wait. Okay. Okay. Who's your best friend at school? Private Black Motherhood and Public White Protest was produced by Stacia Brown for her podcast Hope Chest. To read a behind-the-scenes interview with Stacia about her work, visit thirdcoastfestival.org. And now, before we go, we wanted to share one more tale of motherhood, one that begins at the end. After your mom is gone, and all that remains is her voice in your head, how do you introduce that person, that primary force in your life, to someone who never knew her, like your children? What was her name again, Rosalind? Can you tell me about her? In the scheme of the universe, Rosalind Sheridan was just one person. She wasn't famous, and there isn't much about her on the internet. Here's the type of information that was included in her obituary. Born in Liverpool, immigrated to Israel as a young socialist, got married, moved to Canada, had kids, got lung cancer, but never smoked. The end. Also, she was my mom. She died eight years ago, and every year my memories of her fade a little. She died before I became a mother myself, and now I have two boys of my own, who obviously never met her. How do I keep her alive for them? How do I get them to know who she really was? It's all abstract when you haven't got a person in front of you. 
And so for my kids, my mom's main personality trait is being dead. To get a sense of who she really was, you need details like these. We were, we were rocking, She loved the band Queen. She refused to wear a hat, even in the Montreal winter. She often hid in the basement and played Tetris for hours. How you spell birthday? Her spelling was terrible. Is it D-A-Y? She loved the sound of my brother's sneeze. Yahoo! When I talk to my older son about my mom, sometimes I feel like I'm doing it right. What do you know about my mom? She died. She was very nice. She never tried avocado. But usually, the conversation gets bogged down with the mechanics of death. Is your mom somehow carried up to heaven when she dies and floating around and she's lying down in some sort of world higher than the airplanes even fly? How the airplanes not hit her? One time when we were camping and looking at the stars. Like, oh, you see that one that's bare, that you could barely see? My son found his own way to comfort me about the fact that sometimes it feels like she disappeared into thin air. Yeah, because I get the idea that space clouds could be our feelings. Like your mom, her thoughts are still there. Her thoughts turned into a space cloud. And it makes me think heaven's up there. I think about heaven too, and whether it's all up there. What if heaven is down here on earth, and she's actually floating around us? Not like a ghost, more like the warm feeling you get when you put on a sweater right after it came out of the dryer. It sounds diluted, I know. But then one of my boys will make an expression or a hand gesture that is basically my mom. And suddenly, I know she's in the room. I feel those moments, but my kids aren't equipped to. I took a book out of the library for the kids about a boy whose grandfather is dying. The book has elaborate illustrations of a house with secret passageways, and every page has new tunnels and doors behind doors, all leading to another world behind the walls of the house. The grandfather is trying to comfort the sad boy, telling him that after he's gone, the boy will be able to access this other place where he can see what he wants to. The grandfather tells him, It's right here, all around you. You just have to learn to look for it. The boy looks and looks. But all I can see is all I can see. You have to shut your eyes and open your heart. When you can do that, everything you ever wanted will be right in front of you. Uh, can we go back now? Yeah. I wish it were that easy. That when the person is gone, you just have to close your eyes 
and you'll be with them. Their space clouds will surround you. In the movies, people go to the cemetery when they want to be with the person who died. That's the physical place that marks their existence. But that doesn't really do much for me. Is there a graveyard where you buried your mom? Yeah. There's a graveyard? I never took you there? Never. So you could pray to your mom there? It's just a tombstone. A stone? There's just a stone where you see her, where she was buried. Is there a picture of her? No. Yeah, but I still want to go there and see what's there. In the scheme of the universe and the stars, my mom was just my mom. When I take my son to see her grave, he'll see these words on her headstone. To the world, she was one person. To us, she was the world. On Death and Space Clouds was produced by Tali Abacassas, creator of the podcast First Day Back. My mom is alive and kicking, with an emphasis on the kicking part. In fact, she'll be 89 this fall. She never slows down, she never gives up, and she has space in her heart and her car and apartment for just about everyone. I don't really think I've ever needed a holiday to appreciate all she's done for me. And if I do forget, I know she'll remind me. But regardless, it's always nice to tell people how much they mean to you. Thanks, Mom. Love you. You've been listening to ReSound from the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago. I'm Gwen Maxi. The program is produced by Dennis Funk and curated by Johanna Zorn and Maya Goldberg-Safer. Isabel Vasquez is our production assistant. Support for ReSound comes from Emma, a web-based email marketing and communication service helping businesses and nonprofits manage their email campaigns and online surveys in style. More at myemma.com. The Third Coast International Audio Festival is a nonprofit arts organization made possible with lead funding from the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation and the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. Additional support is provided by the Agadino Foundation, the Menaki Foundation, and the National Endowment for the Arts. The Third Coast Festival, now an independent arts organization, was originally founded at WBEZ Chicago. Want to stay up to date on the latest Third Coast happenings? Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or subscribe to our newsletter at thirdcoastfestival.org. With so much to listen to and so little time, ReSound. All diamonds, no rough. If I'm supposed to call you, you have the answer. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.